Welcome into it, everybody. This is the Rocky Top Rewind. I'm Eric Kane, and he is Brent Hubbs, and it is reactionary Sunday night. Tennessee, a 38-33 to winner over the Florida Gators. The Vols are 4-0 on the young season, heading into the bye week. A little early for a bye week, but it is what it is, and uh, Tennessee finds himself right number eight in the AP poll, number nine in the coaches poll. A lot of things going the Orange's way, Brent Hubbs, but uh, maybe not in the fourth quarter defensively for Tennessee yesterday, but at the end of the day, you got to win over Florida. You snap a five-game losing skid. You win for the first time over the Gators in six years. A lot to celebrate on Rocky Top. Well, no doubt. And and when, look, when you've lost that game every way possible, getting back over and winning the game is never easy. Uh, it was kind of the reverse of, of the 2016 game where Tennessee was just terrible in the first half getting blown out at home, and then they got hot in the second half. This one was about hanging on, and, and Tennessee just – they had a hard time hang, hanging on throughout this series for a long time. But but to be able to do that um, is a quality win. Uh, you look at Tennessee's two big wins this year, Pittsburgh on the road. They win with the defense when the offense struggles. Yesterday it was the offense carrying the load for Tennessee and, and picking them up. Finding ways to win is growth in a – program and uh tennessee found a way to win yesterday because here's a newsflash quarterback's pretty good quarterback's pretty doggone good and um i I, i've always i've respected his game since he started playing once he got on the field i know he had the reputation of just being a dump down guy uh when he got here and and all of those things uh but boy you go back and rewatch that game yesterday I, i wrote this in my in my 10 things piece today and i know you'll talk about it in your review piece tomorrow I can't remember the last time I've seen a quarterback in complete control of a game the way that I thought he was from the opening play of the of the offense till Tennessee finished it, till the game was over. I, I thought he was in total control. Did he make every per- play perfect? No. But, boy, he, he, he Hendon Hooker was really good yesterday. I mean, really, really good. Yeah, he was. And, you know, I, I, I kind of said this on another show that I joined earlier today, but – I kind of, you know, the college football playoffs, you know, I start paying attention to those four teams or those six teams when the first one comes out. So, you know, a lot of Heisman, that that word's been thrown around since yesterday's game, and I'm not ready to go there. Of course not. There's a long season. But what I can say is Hendon Hooker is one of college football's best, plain and simple. Um, There's not many players that are more important to their team than Hendon Hooker is for Tennessee. And video game numbers yesterday. We spoke on on the mini podcast and everything that we've written since. 22 of 28, 349 through the air. He had two touchdowns. He completed 79% of his passes. And Anthony Richardson, we can talk on that in a moment. He was spectacular yesterday, but he only completed 54% of his passes. Hendon did this, completing it almost an 80% clip. A career high on the ground, 112 yards and a touchdown. Hendon Hooker accounted for 80% of Tennessee's total offense on the day. He was fantastic. He is one of college football's best players, and it's fun to cover a quarterback like that, obviously, because you and I both cover teams, and you you a lot more than I have, the teams that didn't have a quarterback. And what we saw from him yesterday, you know, Jabari uh, Davis and Jack Jones on the VFL Players Lounge yesterday heading into the game, they spoke on how this could be a legacy game for Hendon Hooker, how a win like this, you remember Clawson taking down you know, Florida. You remember Eric Ainge taking down Florida as a true freshman. You remember these games. And what Hendon Hooker did yesterday is I, I think that's something that we're not going to forget 
maybe ever for for a long long time yeah it, it's a win against the number 20 you know 20 florida team is florida going to win a national title this year no they're not but that was an impressive win and it was an amazing performance from hendon hooker and, and brent tennessee needed every yard every completion every point they needed it yesterday Oh, they did, and, and we're going to dive into a lot of that uh, as we move forward. We're also going to take your questions through the comments section, so uh, jump on in here and ask those anytime you want to. There's plenty of things to talk about, good, bad, and, and ugly, and uh, obviously the secondary was a tough day yesterday. Uh, Scammer Payback, that's an interesting screen name, wants to know, did you think the, guy, the Vols could have the production they got out of the wide receivers with Tillman being out? I'm not going to say, yes, I absolutely knew that, Eric, but I think you and I have talked about this too. There's just a real belief Josh Heupel can get about anybody open. And yeah. and and Alex Golis can just – they can get about anybody open. And I, I didn't see um, Ramel Keaton, you know, ha- having the day he had. How about and, that? And I'll I, I give hey, – look, I'll give him total credit because he's a guy who dropped a lot of balls in preseason camp, and I thought for sure he was a guy who was going to get passed by some people. Callaway was going to play ahead of him. You know, he was just kind of a, a depth guy, if if anything at all. Uh, but, boy, his number got called, and, and, you know, he made a great diving catch. His catch in the first quarter to get the first down, where he made guys miss, I think he had 12 yards after the catch or something like that, was really impressive. Yeah. Um, play I, Again, when you look at those receivers, the confidence they play with uh, is really remarkable. And, and I think, one, I think you got to give some credit to the coaching staff, right? Okay, I think that's a part of it. Um, that, you know, that transition is going well, but, but I think part of that confidence stems from having Hendon Hooker as your quarterback. Jabari Small talked about that a little bit after the game. You know, he's special. He's my guy. I, I mm-hmm. think when you have that, there's an extra belief that as a receiver, Hey, he, he's going to get it to me. All I got to do is do my job. I don't have to do anything spectacular. And boy, that was the case yesterday. You run a good route. That ball was going to hit you. It's going to hit you between the numbers. Yeah, more so than anything. And Matthew, if you can stay here by looking at these numbers for just a couple more seconds, of course you had Tillman out, and that's a, that's a huge loss. But you know, you you like what you've seen from Hyatt so far this season, and he was solid as a rock yesterday. Um, Brew McCoy, it was good to see him get his first 100-yard receiving game for Tennessee, find the end zone again. I think he's a really good player that they need to continue to work the ball towards, and, and they had seven targets his way yesterday. But look at these numbers from Princeton fan. I understand the first quarter fumble. That was bad because Tennessee was going to score there. But they went back to him several times in that football game. He caught all five targets, 43 yards, had a big-time third-quarter first-down reception. They kept a drive alive on third and 14. Maybe that was early fourth quarter. I can't remember. But they went back to him. Jabari Small got active in the passing game. Of course, he had the touchdown, but three receptions, 32 yards. They, They went to... Their backs, they went to their tight ends. Jacob Warren on the wheel route was uncovered. Uh, Trey Dean, I don't know what he was doing there. In order to overcompensate for not having Cedric Tillman, they made an effort to get their tight ends and to get their backs involved. And I I think they wanted to get Princeton fan involved really since the staff has been here. They just hadn't been able to yet. And of course, with Dillman out, there was an opportunity. So um, I I don't want to say I'm surprised that Tennessee was able to overcome that because I think there's a lot of faith in McCoy and Hyatt. Now you're getting more faith in Keaton, but also they made a point to throw to the tight ends and into the running backs. Yeah, no doubt. And, and the middle of the field was open, and Tennessee capitalized yeah. on the middle of, on the open in the middle of the field. They haven't always done that. That's part of the growth of Hendon Hooker in the passing game, being able to use his eyes, the trust factor they have with him to throw all the routes that, that they want to throw. That's the evolution in year two of this passing game is work in the middle of the field. The biggest play in the football game, 
the absolute biggest play in this football game, in my opinion, was the third and 10 on the 99-yard drive where Tennessee scored to take the lead at the end of the first half. It's a great play by Hendon Hooker. They've got an unblocked man. Jabari Small goes the wrong way, misses pass protection. Hendon Hooker bails him out, throws back across his body, an awkward angle to Princeton Fant for a 10-yard completion in a first down. The next play is Ramel Keaton's diving catch, and all of a sudden you're up and running. Billy Napier just called timeout before the third and 10, wanted the football back. If they don't convert there, Paxton Brooks is punting out of his own end zone, Eric. We know how the punt operation's been. Florida's probably yeah. going to come after it. Or even if they play field position, they're going to have it near midfield with a timeout left and a minute and 20 seconds, minute and 40 seconds, something like that. That was an absolute must-have play and a game-changing play for Tennessee. As much as the Princeton fan fumble was a bad play for Tennessee to start because they were going to score and take all the momentum there, if they fail on that third and 10, Florida might have a seven-point lead or they might have an 11-point lead going into the half. Instead, it's Tennessee with the lead going into the half, momentum and football to start the second half. I, I think that play was – and I didn't realize it till I rewatched the significance of it. I didn't realize how great of a play it was by Hendon Hooker, mm-hmm. but that was a terrific football play and a, and a must-have for Tennessee right there. That was a momentum-changing play. It set up the rest of that drive. Yeah, and continuing to show confidence going back to Princeton fan, that situation, as you mentioned. Um, and Princeton fan's a guy, too. You've seen it a couple of times already this year and having discussion with some assistant coaches. It's like with him, when one thing goes wrong, something else happens. It might affect another play or two or three plays down the line. After that fumble, the next offensive series, he had a false start. <laughs> getting him back and getting him active and, and really a, a impact play for Tennessee, as you mentioned, that was so critical. Um, of course, the Romel Keaton play, uh, that, that was fantastic. But also, I, I feel like in the third quarter, you know, when Tennessee is, is really getting going offensively, Jabari Small came and, and made a little wiggle, made a guy miss at the second level and rushed for 40 yards. That got Tennessee's run game going. Hendon was already running, and that was good. But that got Tennessee's run game going from Jalen Wright and Jabari Small that that really kind of helped them as the second half went on. So it wasn't just Hooker. Tennessee wants to run the football. And in big games, you look at Georgia last year, Alabama, um, some different situations as the year went on at Pittsburgh this year, you haven't had that running game that you could really rely on. Tennessee didn't have it for two quarters from its running backs. That one run got Jabari Small going off. That was a big play in the football game as well. No doubt. He made a linebacker miss at the second level. And, and that's something that Tennessee's not done a good enough job in in the run game. They've got it for what it's been blocked for. And that's yeah. really it. That that play was blocked for four or five yards. And then it was Jabari Small who turned a five-yard gain into a 40-yard gain. That's what good running backs are supposed to do. And, and that was he set him up as a really good cut that he made, uh, good vision on that play. Uh, that that was a that was a really important run and 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 it, you're right it got Tennessee going a little bit on the ground game and maybe that'll get them going a, a little bit more. Th- th- these running backs are hard for me to figure out. Uh, I, I'll be perfectly honest with you, Eric. One, one week Jalen Jalen Wright looks like he's got a great feel for the game. Right, he's pushing the, pushing the pile. He seems to be running really well. And then the next week he kind of is just eh. And yesterday he was kind of in. Now that was a really good touchdown run he had um, on the on the on a really good play call there on on third and goal in the last touchdown but yesterday it was Jabari Small who looked like the more physical back and the guy who was more locked in there if you could get both of them on the same page you know game in game out you feel like they could run the ball a little bit better than what they did you'd like to see more consistency there 
be curious to see where they are with Dylan Sampson as the season goes along too. I do like the fact that they got Jabari Small involved in the passing game because I, I just think defenses have a hard time covering backs out of the backfield, Eric. When you split the receivers out as far as Tennessee does and you mm -hmm. run them as deep as they do, to me it opens up underneath stuff there. If you can get that part of the game going with the running backs, I, I think you're opening yourself up for – throwing the ball five yards for a big game because I think there's going to be, you know, a lot of room to roam uh, in, in the passing game as we saw on the touchdown pass to Jabari Small. I like what they did yesterday with Small in the passing game. I, I think that should grow moving forward because that's another wrinkle that's a challenge uh, for, for, for defenses to try to figure out how to defend out of this Tennessee offense that stretches you so deep and, and so far vertically. Um, Herb, Herb here wants to know, uh, Tillman and Hooker and the running backs injured. Uh, are they going to be good for the LSU game? Bye week couldn't come at a better time, I imagine. It is an early season bye week, but I do think it's very it's a very good time for Tennessee to have a bye week. Tillman, we'll see. I think definitely by Alabama, LSU might be pushing a little bit. Um, Hooker needs the open date. It's a good week for him to get an open date. His shoulder, his non-throwing shoulder, pretty sore. So to get him some rest, that'll be one of the challenges, Eric. I think managing this this rest of this season. You have to run him some, but you got to be careful not to run him too much and, and, he just and get doesn't him hurt. Slide, That's going to be he, the thing. He just doesn't slide. He takes so many hits, and you admire him because he doesn't shy away from them, and he runs so hard. He's a, he's a funky-looking runner. It's kind of weird whenever he's doing it, but it's effective. But he takes so many hits, and he, he was gutting through it yesterday. Uh, again, uh, Josh Heupel spoke after the game and said he was a warrior, uh, and he certainly played like that, but you're right a good week for him to kind of get off and rest up a little bit because they're going to need him. Um, one more thing on the Jabari small touchdown reception there in the third quarter that put Tennessee up 10 at the one point in time, slipped him out of the backfield. Everybody in, in Florida's defense is playing man, except for the linebacker who was supposed to cover him. He was untouched and just kind of walked in. It was a fun day offensively, no doubt about it. And a guy that blocked for a lot of fun running backs and wide receivers and quarterbacks to watch is the guy we're bringing on right now, former ball VFL Ramon Foster. He was in house yesterday, <laughs> and I'm sure Ramon, you got a lot that you want to say about this Tennessee win. What's up, dude? Not much, man. I do, as you can tell, my voice is a little uh iffy right now. Yelling a little bit yesterday? Uh, it was a little bit of yelling, you know, 102,000 people inside one building. There's bound to be a lot of that going on, but it was well worth it, man. I know one thing for sure, guys that Tennessee, Florida. A rivalry is is there. It's true. Um, it's something that you can downplay it all these years. Tennessee getting beat for however many times it's been, but it means a lot to both sides. So much so that the coach got a uh unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. So I'll take it. Mm -hmm. Hey Ramon, on that note, I mean you played in this rivalry. You you played in the Alabama rivalry. You know what rivalry games are all about. In the NFL, you played in rivalry games, right? Bengals, mm -hmm. Browns. You had a few of those when you were with the Steelers. How hard, when you've been on the wrong side of one of those, how hard is it to, to win it, to get over the hump? Because, I mean, Tennessee was like, I mean, you're sitting there at 17, you're like, hey, this is cruise control. And then all of a sudden it gets really screwy at the end. How hard, is, as a player, how hard is that hump to get over and, and, and against one of those rival teams like that? The, the only thing that makes it better is you get a game usually the next Saturday or Sunday or Thursday. But in that moment, it sucks. It lingers longer. You look at every single way you could have won the game. You look at every single way that you lost the game. Everything matters in those games. 
And, of course, the hype of what football is. I tell people, I think the reason we go so hard here as as Americans for football is because we got to wait on it a week. It's one at a time. And in that time, man, you think about every single scenario, what a win could do for your program or for your season. Um, What could it do for recruiting, especially on the college side? So me personally, I always really dove into those those, uh, type of games. And it kind of stings. And as much as guys will tell you, well, we're on to next week or, you know, that's just one game. It's not just one game. Um, And instead of a loss where you're, okay, well, we lost, you know, against Cal. But if it's Florida, it, it, it'll it probably stick for about three, four days simply because you know what it means year in and year out. Ramon, kind of, kind of big picture here. I mean, you were in the you were in the stands. Actually, you were probably sitting up top with the big wig. So I, <laughs> I don't want to speak for you. You probably didn't even hear anything because you were up there with the AC and getting the drinks brought to you and everything. That atmosphere yesterday, uh, yeah. you were down there on the field pregame. You were out there. I mean, it was, you know, mixing up with Sterl the Pearl. The checkerboard, they were loud. They were rowdy. I mean, you had about 50 recruits just sitting right there beyond the north end zone. Yeah. I mean, what a what a scene. What, what, I mean, that, that's, as Josh Hype will say, I mean, that's college football at its best. And, of course, Tennessee came out on top. I mean, what can you say about all 102 that were in there yesterday? It was amazing. Beyond amazing, really. Like, if it, like I had so many people texting me, calling me, all of the random numbers. I'm like, who's calling me right now? Because it seemed like everybody was in that stadium. And not just that. So I, I was in somebody's suite, okay? <laughs> I will say that. But it was, it was so good and so rowdy. The environment, Ron Slay and myself, we walked down to the terrace level and just moved all the way down the stadium because we were like, we got to feel and hear this. Like, we got to see what this is about because you can see what's going on. You feel the excitement, but to actually hear it, be a part of it, I hadn't seen it like that in a long time. And I know I hadn't been back um, because of my old career, but if this is the era in which we're going into and the way this fan base supports it and, and just is so rabid about watching this group win, Man, it, it, it's going to take a lot to bring these guys down, man. If, if recruiting picks up at certain spots, then I feel like this is something that is going to be sustainable. All right, Ramon, you, you played with a quarterback in the National Football League who was just a tough hombre. He, yeah. He'd take a lick and keep going. He would make a play when it looked like there was no play to be made. I'm not saying Hendon Hooker's Ben Roethlisberger. I'm, I'm not making mm-hmm. that comparison. But as a player – what does it do for you when you have a quarterback who plays with the grit and toughness that Hendon Hooker displayed on Saturday and has displayed since he's been at Tennessee as the starter? Man, before I even give my answer, you hear his teammates. Like, you hear these guys say, I am a Hendon Hooker fan. You see the way that offensive line take up for him. You you see guys like Brew McCord just talking about who's a transfer guy, speaking about what he's meant to them. I think if you want to ever see how a guy is, Listen to what his teammates are saying about him, and they say a whole lot about him in a very good way, and it's all towards the team concept of what he's doing. But when you have a guy like him, you walk into stadiums knowing that every single team you see, whether you're the underdog or whether you're favored to win, that you have a really good chance. Whether you're on the road, it doesn't matter where you play. I Like playing with Ben Roethlisberger was one of those things where it's like, if he can stand up, he's going to make plays for us. And that's kind of what you get out of him, where he was supposed to be sacking. What was it, like a 40-yard run down the sideline? And you just said, I'm just like, well, it seemed like it was 80, okay, as much as he was running. But you you see, 
you you see those types of things. And if you have a bad play yourself, you're quick to say my bad because you almost feel like you let him down because you know he's given all that he has on every single play. And it was a few times I heard you guys speaking about it. Like he took some hits where it's just like, and then I love it. But get down, please, because we like seeing you do other things on the field besides getting tackled. Ramon, you, you've been in a lot of shootouts throughout your football career, college pro. There's been games where, you know, as an offense, you guys know that essentially like, hey, when we get the football, we got to score because if yeah. we don't score, we might not win the football game. It's important to remember, again, Tennessee won the, the Pittsburgh game because <laughs> of its defense. But when you're in a game like that, what's kind of your mindset? What's what's those talks going on within the huddle? Maybe not for Tennessee because they don't huddle, but maybe on the sideline when you just kind of know that, hey, we got to take advantage of every single possession. Well, I think uh, this offense is thriving like that anyway, simply because they can score so fast um, and, and they could or they could be off the field so quickly. Also, that you as an offensive player, you feel a little angst. You feel a little anxiety of, look, if we don't do our job, then that defense is going to suffer. And I think you kind of see that from those guys on that sideline, being in positions where you know a team, especially a, a conference opponent like Florida, or let's say in Pittsburgh, I'm playing somebody like Baltimore. You know they know you, and no matter what, it's going to be 60 minutes of just slugging, just back and forth. So every opportunity you can get to get a one-up on your opponents um, is something that the offense must do, and I absolutely love it. Uh, watching them take on those 60-yard run, uh, those 60-yard passes and just support that defense, I actually, for the most part, thought they supported them, the defensive side of the ball, really well. And um, I know you guys probably side-eyed what this offense is going to be like I did too <laughs> and how would it work in the SEC. Um, I think the way they are operating right now with having a veteran quarterback um, is sustainable if you continue this on. All right, so Ramona, you're an offensive lineman, so I, I don't I don't know how comfortable you are answering this question, but gonna but I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> how does this offense get guys so wide open? Oh, man, listen to me. I'm watching from up top, and I'm looking at Brewer, and I'm looking at Jalen, I'm looking at tight ends move to the absolutely side of the sideline. They don't move. They stretch people out. And, and I see how now the running game worked because there's so much anxiety on the corners, on the linebackers, because if you miss a slant, it's probably going to be a, a chunk play. If the run, if, if there's no support from the secondary, guys are going to get wide open. The, the amount of anxiety that defenders have, considering this is the other part, too, on why they got – on how they get so open, is they have to chase the ball so much. Defenders cannot afford not to chase after the ball. So if you keep them on the field and they're not faking injuries, and I will say this, Florida did a really good job of, of, of not faking injuries yesterday because I really expected it. But defenses tire out if they don't get stops. And you can run and run and run. And offensive players can usually pace themselves a whole lot more. So it's really just a war of attrition that this team, when they're clicking, is 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 how you get that open. And the confusion, honestly, you got freshmen that are out there. You got sophomores that are just now starting. They don't know where to find guys. Like, look at the amount of blo uh, broken plays that they had yesterday. Just tight ends, wide receivers, wide open. It's like yeah. that every week. It's it's crazy. It's it's crazy to see. I mean, it really is. Specifically, the offensive line. I, I would yeah. imagine, as an old lineman, you're like, I'm not sure how much I would enjoy this pace and what, and what they like to do. 
But when you watch them play, what do you yeah. like about this group, Ramon? And and how much better do you think they're playing year two as, as understanding the system now than what we saw out of this team middle to late of the year last year? Most times when offensive linemen realize what um, the hurry-up offense can do, you actually like it. Simply because, as I just said a second ago, you tire out the defensive line. I'm watching their guys just be gassed and hoping that we sub out so they can get in. But what I've seen from Coach Ellerbe and what he's done with this OL, he's teaching them technique. He's teaching them finished. He's having those guys communicate with one another to where you say to yourself, they're all on the same page. Now, guys moving in, out, in and out of the starting lineup, let's say when if Jerome Carvin leaves this year or, or, or uh, Darnell Wright then the guys behind them understand, look, this is how we operate. I appreciate them at least having them learning technique. Uh, watching them move up and down the field, is to me, is more of an advantage. And, and it's also just been a huge emphasis on what the running game pr can provide, too. Those guys play with a level of nastiness that if you pay attention to it, you'll say, no, this, this might not be an air raid type of offense, but it actually is. Ramon, specifically, Gerald Mincy, what have you liked? Uh, he's the newcomer of this bunch, yeah. obviously. What have you liked from him through four games? And can this type of win, I'm not saying Florida is Georgia this year or Alabama mm -hmm. or you know a top five team, but what can a win like this kind of do for you, for, for your mentals, for you inside that locker room, moving forward to where you do go on the road and play in the Bayou in a couple of weeks, you host Alabama, you got a big game against Kentucky, Georgia. What can a win like this do for you in the long term for this season? Um, for Jeremy, man, Mincy, being a guy that's a transfer guy and coming in and become wanting one of Tennessee's dudes. You know, like to be an outsider, you, all you're looking for is acceptance. So for him to win that starting left tackle job um, and for him to be playing as well as he is finishing, like he had a little swagger about him yesterday. And it's probably because he's playing Florida, but – you haven't heard his name much, and you got to say to yourself, he's getting it. You know, like he's finding his niche. Like the transfer portal, I got a lot of issues with it. But here's a guy that's actually benefiting from it in a really good way. So that's what I like about him. He hasn't looked back at all, even when they were uh, swapping guys uh, back and forth as far as the pit game and at the beginning of the season against Ball State. But what can this win do for you also um, as far as winning against Florida? For the players in that locker room, and I know a bunch of us fans have what we like to call batter ball syndrome a little bit when it's just like, oh, we can never have anything good. But this group of, of guys that have Coach Heupel and his staff um, really reshaped them last year and, and say, we're going to win games, but we're going to make it fun. It, it loosens you up a little bit. It's almost one of those things where you see sprinters run and their face just stays the same because they're, they're relaxed and they're almost on autopilot with how they perform. That's what it could do for you. As long as the detail is there, as long as the technique stays the same when it comes down to what the coaches are telling. There were a few busts yesterday, offensively and defensively on the team, a couple of mishaps too. But when you find ways to churn out wins, like against Pitt, who was ranked, or Florida, who's a big-time rival at your house, um, it says to yourself, okay, we're in a different phase. I knew when I was on teams when we were going to turn that corner. And this is what those guys in that locker room say to you, say say to each other. As long as we stay tight, everybody stay healthy, they can beat anybody any single Saturday. 
Ramon, you've been a part of teams who've been through open dates. This one seems to come at a good time for Tennessee to get a couple of guys healthy, including Hendon Hooker, who's a bit banged up. But but how much better can a team get during an open date? And I ask this from a defensive standpoint. Obviously, the secondary struggled yesterday. Anthony Richardson did good things, but that secondary had a tough afternoon. Missed six tackles, um, mm-hmm. soft coverage, too many too many wide open looks. How much better in season did you feel like you could get as an individual in an open date, or is that just a small window that it's really hard to make a, a big a big difference or a big amount of improvement in such a short window? I think the biggest thing is mental, whether it's watching film or whether it's just getting away for a little bit too, because the game is usually the game. You know, like a lot of those things, I feel like the secondary had their eyes in the backfield. Well, go watch film. Figure out why you are doing that. That's a mental thing. Or if you say to yourself, like, Hendon's a guy like, I, he's becoming a star. He is a star at the University of Tennessee right now. Um, Just getting away and just being a regular Joe for about four or five days because you know they're still going to practice, but slowing it down just a little bit, that recharge can do a lot, especially with LSU and Alabama coming up and just getting deeper into this SEC schedule. Um, Just getting guys back is, is one component of it. But the mental recharge, guys, is probably bigger than almost anything. How hard is it? I don't think you miss – you didn't miss many games throughout your your uh, your professional career, right? Like no, I'm talking like didn't you, didn't you didn't you have a streak where you didn't miss a game for a couple of years? Yeah, I did. I had a streak like that. But, um, yeah, it's it's that's a tough thing. But, yeah. How difficult was it for Cedric Tillman to sit there and watch that game yesterday? Because you want to be out there with your yeah. brothers. Um, you got to trust the coaches. A lot of the time, coaches are in positions to, to protect you from yourself. Yeah. And I, I think it's neglectful sometimes where your coaches will still send guys out there, send guys out there simply because they really make it about themselves. They don't look at the bigger picture. Like looking looking at the way they operated yesterday, you could have said to yourself, it was a few opportunity, opportunities in which Cedric Tillman could have made plays for this team. But – you had growth from other guys around uh, the, the this team that you kind of said, okay, we're going to be better because we were without him, like a Ramel Keaton. Like I've been saying for the longest, man, watching Jalen Hyatt get high or a guy like Jacob Warren and Preston Fant, like those are the guys that you say, if we can incorporate them more into what we're doing, we're going to be better. So I think that was a great coaching decision. Is it hard? Yes, it is. Um, but that's what Coach Hype and his staff are paid to do also protect players from themselves sometimes when they just simply know, don't know any better. The hardest part sometimes for a player to do is just admit, yeah, coach, I'm a little hurt. So you got to kind of let them know, no, you're hurt. Sit this out and we will back you up. Yeah, and then hopefully he can come back stronger than ever against LSU. Likely Alabama. We'll see about LSU. One <laughs> more thing before we let you go. See and Nick over here in the comments section said that if you and Slay – started your own podcast you guys would probably have a thousand subscribers after the end of the first episode is that something you guys have ever thought about doing it is we did it a little while back this is while i was still playing and we didn't really know the uh the format of you know how to go about it this is a radio space, guy now though so i i am and he's a radio guy oh, yeah, too yeah um but it would be they try to keep trying to tell us like fans say you guys need to do the same show. I'm like, no, that's way too top heavy right there. Okay, that's that's way too much. Um, but it'll be something we've been speaking about recently. Uh, maybe we will get to that point. You know, after everything kind of get hashed out, you know how it goes, guys. It's always contracts you got to deal with and all little small minute things. But you can catch us daily though. 
As you can, the pride of Ripley, Tennessee, right? How many people <laughs> recognize you from Ripley, Ramon? Do you ever get you ever anybody ever talk to you about your days in Ripley? I met somebody yesterday at the game. Did That's how really? packed it was. It was people from all over Tennessee. I met somebody from uh, from Ripley yesterday at the game. I was like, oh my God, everybody's here. Great stuff. Ramon Foster is a great story. Not highly acclaimed as a recruit, right? What you were you were right. one of those proverbial three stars. How many division yeah. one offers did you end up with? I had a good bit. I had about 12 to 15, 12 but it was 15. of course contingent on it wasn't like it was with these kids, though, like 50 and 60 of them. Right, right. And he ends up at Tennessee. And then how many years at the Steelers did you go? I did eleven from eleven uh, years, two thousand and nine to two thousand nineteen. People say ten, and I'm like, no, you got to actually no, no. count nine too. Okay, that, that's that's a year. Yeah, that's uh, that's an unbelievable career. You've been a blast to to cover and to deal with. And if, if people in Nashville are not listening to you on the radio on one zero four five in the morning, they're missing out. And by the way, you can also watch his show every morning on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to be in Nashville. You can check it out. That's the morning show in the wake up zone there at one Oh four five with uh, Ramon Foster. Uh, you're going to have tomorrow morning. You can talk a lot of college football, be some Tennessee talk, little MTSU talk. They get a win yeah. over Miami and the yeah. NFL is the NFL. There's always plenty to talk about there. Ramon, you're the best buddy. We appreciate no you, my man. Thanks, man. Thanks fellas. Absolutely. Enjoy. All right. Thanks. That is Ramon Foster. Eric, one of the greats. I mean, he's not a guy when he left here that anybody saw with a 10-year NFL or 11-year, excuse me, Ramon, 11-year NFL career. Uh, but he I just I'm said it was 11 years, Brian. Come I know. On. I know. I know. I'm, I'm, I got a little cough medicine in me. I'm doing the best <laughs> I can do here. Uh, but, but again, just, I mean, a guy who went to work every mm. single day. And uh, he was never flashy about anything. He just went and worked every day and just had a fantastic career. Great, great listen to his great catching up with him yesterday, pregame before we went in the stadium. So we appreciate him spending a few minutes with us tonight. Yeah, yeah, he's been awesome. And he's been a good mentor for me. Like since he's been retired, we, we catch up all the time. He's always so great with his time. Uh, voted the slowest guy in Madden football. I, it don't matter. He played 11 years. He was a player rep and he had a great, great NFL career. So that was Ramon Foster. Big thanks to him. Hope you guys enjoyed that. A lot to celebrate for Tennessee offensively in a win against Florida. We're going to take a look at the defense here. We're going to talk a little defense. Is that a little what we're defense. Do next? I think we need okay. to. Probably going to dive awesome into that price. one, right? <laughs> yeah, we got to. And then we'll have Austin Price come on, get his thoughts on the win. Of course, a big recruiting weekend for the University of Tennessee. This is uh, the Rocky Top Rewind. He's Brent Hubbs, and I am Eric Kane. Welcome back in here to the Rocky Top Rewind. I am Eric Kane, and that man is Brent Hubbs. Tennessee, a 38-33 to win over Florida, 4-0 for the first time since 2016, ranked number eight in the AP poll, ranked number nine in the coaches poll, heading into the bye week before heading down to LSU next weekend. Brent's. So many great things for Tennessee's offense. So many great things for Hendon Hooker. Uh, we discussed all last week leading to the game just how this series goes. It's, it's Tennessee, Florida. You knew Anthony Richardson was not going to play as poorly as he had the last two weeks. Didn't think he'd play like video game like numbers like Hendon Hooker as well. I mentioned Hendon Hooker had 80% of Tennessee's total yards. Anthony Richardson accounted for 86% of Florida's 515 total yards is what he had. Um, it was this morning day defensively, especially for the secondary on a night that still Tennessee wins. It finds a way to get it done. Yeah. You know, if you'd have told Tim Banks, the Tennessee's defensive coordinator, that they were going to have Florida in third and nine plus, nine yards to go or more, nine out of 15 times, 
you would have you would have said Tennessee in a cakewalk, Eric, because there's no way you would have thought Florida would have had success in third and long. Yet that's where they made their hay. Third and nine plus, Gators converted four of those third downs, and then they converted three fourth downs after a third and long. So they got enough yards on third and long to make it a fourth and manageable. They went for it. They converted them. So out of those nine third and long plays, Florida converted the thing seven times, which is a ridiculous number. Like no, that nobody gets that percentage. That's the biggest worry, the biggest concern coming out of this thing is, again, much like last year, Eric, Tennessee had a chance to get off the field on third down and they didn't. And not only did they not get off the field on third down, even when they got a quote stop, they gave up seven yards on third and nine and made fourth and two manageable. That has got to get cleaned up for Tennessee moving forward. I'm not sure what the answer is. It obviously starts in the defensive secondary. They got to be much better than they were yesterday because that was not a very good day for that secondary. Yeah, no doubt. And what's more frustrating about third and long and them converting is when they didn't. And you said set, sets up a manageable fourth you know, fourth and two, fourth and three. I mean, Florida was five or six on fourth downs. And a couple of those, it was like fourth and two, fourth and three. And two in particular, Anthony Richardson saw that Shorter have man coverage on the outside and just threw it up to him. And they'll picked up 14, 15. One time picked up 28 yards on fourth down. And that's just, that's nerve wracking as a defensive play caller or somebody watching that football game. Um, it, it was obviously, there's a lot of cushion. Um, you know, this is not a good zone defense in the back end. Tennessee's cornerbacks got picked on. According to Pro Football Focus, I just pulled a couple of numbers here. Haddon was targeted seven times, gave up four receptions, 103 yards, a touchdown. He missed two tackles in that football game. Uh, Christian Charles gave up three receptions, 53 yards. Brandon Turnage was barely in there, but he gave up a long pass on his one recept on his one rep. Uh, you had Trayvon Flowers who missed two tackles. Tamari McDonald who gave up six receptions, 100 yards, and a touchdown. He missed two tackles. Just any way you spin it, I mean, you know, top to bottom, the star, the corners, the safeties weren't great, but it was a tough day for Tennessee's cornerbacks. And uh, give Anthony Richardson credit. Uh, he he looked at the mismatches, knew what he had, and trusted his receivers, and he wouldn't make the throws. Yeah, he did, and, and you're exactly right. I mean, give, give Anthony Richardson some credit. But, again, Tennessee's got to figure out to, how to be better there. There's a couple things that they need to do, in my opinion, or a couple things I think they need to look at long and hard this week. One is Joshua Josephs needs to play more. Tennessee did not get home. They're not getting home consistent enough with their front four when they pass rush, which is a concern to me, Eric. That's got to improve. And so I think that it starts there. They've got to figure out how to get a better pass rush. I thought Joshua Joseph flashed again. Every time he's played in a game, he's flashed. I thought he flashed against Ball State with quickness. I thought he flashed against Akron. And I thought he flashed against yesterday, again yesterday. He needs to get more reps. He needs to be a part of that third down package. He's got a better chance of getting home than Roman Harrison does at this point in time. And I don't think Roman's playing bad. I just think Joshua Joseph's first step is different than anybody else's. That's one thing I think they ought to look at. The other thing for me, too, is, and I mentioned this on the, the, the postgame mini podcast, do you look at a Danico Slaughter at the corner? Right. I mean, I don't know if you do, but do you do you look at and, and toy with that? You know, I don't know when D. Williams is going to be healthy and I don't know that he's the savior. We're Tennessee fans are hoping. Right. Because he, he was there was a there was talk about him in the preseason in camp before he, potentially he got banged up as a potential starter. But we've not seen him play in the SEC against 
you know, power five competition. We don't know exactly what he can do, but there's hope there. We'll see if he can get healthy. Um, and, and then, you know, I think they're married to these safeties. Um, I just don't know how much zone defense they can play effectively. I don't think the linebacker drops are very good, and I don't think the safety play – I don't think there's enough speed there with the safety play to close down those windows. That's one thing you said right there, the the, the drops from the backers. Many times upon my rewatch, Jeremy Banks faking the blitz, so slow to get back in his drop. Juwan Mitchell, same thing, so slow. Or they're getting back there on their drop, and they're not, you know, looking around at the surroundings to see a cross or to see a dig over there, to see, you know, an out that they need to be pushing on. Uh, so, again, it's all tied in. I'm not trying to single anybody out, but it just kind of is what it is. Um, you look at Danico Slaughter, uh, again, just having some options. You know, Desha- there was a point in time, it was, uh, I think it was Florida's second touchdown. Uh, it's when they took a lead. You had Solon Page out there at linebacker. You had Brandon Turnage at corner. You had Deshaun Rucker at corner. That was for a couple of plays. And then Christian Charles got back in there, and then Kamal Haddon came back in there. That's just not ideal for a, a, t- a Tennessee personnel-wise uh, to be in a football game right now. Um, you miss Warren Burrell. And I'm not saying – hear me out. I'm not saying that he was playing well because I don't think he was playing well. But uh, the coaches know what they have in Warren Burrell. Uh, he doesn't miss tackles. He's going to be where he's supposed to be. He doesn't play with a whole lot of confidence. And as you, as you and I pointed out before – he bails a lot of times, gives a lot of cushion himself. But I think there's a reason why Warren Burrell played so much, and it's because he was consistent, whereas Christian Charles is still learning a position. Kamal Haddon's played well up until yesterday, in my opinion. He did not play well yesterday, but he's been playing well. It's just that consistency, that experience factor, and I think Tennessee missed some of that yesterday. I'm not saying if Warren Burrell played that Tennessee would have been significantly better. I don't think that they would have. I'm just saying there's a reason why he does play, and I think it showed a little bit yesterday. Well, and I think because of a mobile quarterback, and we're getting ready to bring Austin Price in here too. Go ahead, Matthew, and bring Austin in. We'll we'll, we'll jump him in this conversation before we talk a little recruiting as well. But but one thing that stands out to me um, is because it was a mobile quarterback yesterday, you couldn't blitz as you would normally blitz, right? Because you're worried about contain, so you're playing a little bit hesitant off uh, up front in, in some of your blitz stuff. I, I just think they're they're gonna they're a go for broke defense i mean i think for tim banks it's it's bring the house and come pressure from a variety of different ways because i just don't see them as a rush three rush four drop seven eight team defensively and and see if a quarterback can pick you apart because you're just not comfortable playing that way that's just not that's just not who they are from a personnel standpoint so i i don't know how they're going to handle it with mobile quarterbacks in the future but I think they're going to have to be more aggressive in going after a quarterback, blitzing more as opposed to yesterday, bluffing the blitz and backing a bunch of people out in the zones. Yeah, I'll say this real quick before Austin jumps in here too. Uh, I couldn't agree more. They were so aggressive against Akron. They were so aggressive against Pittsburgh, and, and it worked. So, I, you know, that that's kind of your calling card, right? And, and they're still, they were still aggressive yesterday, don't get me wrong, but um, I, I would just keep going to that well because it, it was working until it's not. Uh, Joshua Joseph, eight snaps yesterday, Roman Harrison, 41. I'm with you. I don't think Roman Harrison's playing bad, but there should not be 41 up here to eight Josh, between those two backups. Austin Price, Joshua Joseph's different. He's different when he comes off the ball. Well, I think James Pierce is too. and I think it's just Joseph's is further along. Uh, you know, I think Tennessee's got a lot of good young defensive talent. It's just getting to the point where the defensive staff feels comfortable enough to use them. Um, and, 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 you know, you see it bits and pieces. Elijah Herring plays a couple of snaps here and there. 
Joseph plays a couple of snaps here and there, but it's about getting to that point. Like I think Jordan Thomas can help this team at safety uh, in the future, but this year, probably not, you know? Um, so uh, again, can they figure something out in the bye week to get some of these guys more, more run? Does okay, that mean I, Joseph's goes from eight snaps to 18 snaps or whatever? Uh, but I think you've got to try something. You, you know, yesterday they just played in such a soft zone, Brent, that, you know, Anthony Richardson didn't have to be accurate. You could be fractionally off and still complete easy passes. So, I mean, you know, he did for 453. I mean, you know, how much of it was – how many balls were caught with somebody actually within two yards of a receiver? That's why I, I – I, again, that's something you have to go back and look at. Well, and and, and rewatching today, there was, there was a lot of open grass. There was a lot of green grass around the, the Florida receivers. I mean, Tennessee had one pass breakup, and it was by Omari Thomas. It was game. one play, and again, I wasn't scouting this when I was looking at it, but there was only one play that comes to memory. It was when Florida was in on the red zone. They threw it to Shorter, I believe, and Richardson threaded that needle between three defenders. That's the only time, really, that I can remember him saying, wow, that was a tight window. You fit it in there. The rest, is awesome pointed out, I mean, it was just, gosh, I mean, you, you could wait on it. You could move over. I mean, it was just the cushion was so large. Yeah, By the way, was. Eric, we're giving you a pass on this. You're wearing Florida blue. Uh, only because Tennessee <laughs> won the game. Okay. Uh, but and, and we do appreciate you branching out with a new polo this week. I'm not Thank seeing you. that one in the repertoire. That's big <laughs> yeah, time. You, you too. I, you I as well. I did not wear my red Peter Millar <laughs> T-shirt this week, so Hubs would not be able to bust my chops for three weeks in a row. Well, I, well, we appreciate that. But back to Joshua Josephs. I, I just – I think he's proven enough to, to go to 18, 20 snaps a game. Because I think he showed up, and, and James Pierce maybe has not had enough opportunities. They've not been comfortable giving him opportunities. But Joshua Joseph had a pass breakup in the fir- in his first game. Um, he, he showed up in the Akron game, and he showed up again yesterday with two quarterback pressures and eight snaps, and he had a tackle. To me, that's enough for him to generate more snaps. Maybe you're not as comfortable with Jordan Thomas yet. But of all those young guys, to me, Joshua Joseph is the guy who looks most ready to help you right now in an area where you need help. Austin, I mentioned this earlier, and then we got to get to some recruiting stuff here, but I mentioned this earlier. Do you look at Danico Slaughter at corner this week? He's buried at safety. He's not going to get on the field at safety, it appears. He's played some slot, you know, nickel before. They've repped him some outside in his career at corner. Do you just take a look at it looking for some potential bodies out there? Because you don't know when D. Williams is coming back, and you don't know when Warren Burrell is going to be healthy. Yeah, 100%. Um, I, I think you look at everything uh, because that's the easiest thing to do is, is you know, take a look at, 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 all, at all things across, you know, every, you know, phase of your defense, you know, first level, second level, um, third level, you know, 12th level, which is, you know, where they got to get to. Um, but, you know, I, I just think you just have to just move some pieces around. Now, will they do that? Who knows? Because, I mean, you know, so much of this week will be kind of liked. Um, you know, with them trying to get healthy. Um, but why not? Why not just tinker with stuff this week and see what you find? You never know when you tinker what you might find or what you may go, you know, there's a reason we didn't do that. And now we remember why we didn't do that. Um, so, you know, I think you, know, you, you tinker this week, you tinker at D-line, you tinker at pass rush, you tinker at linebacker, and you tinker definitely in the secondary. Last thing I'll say on the game, Omari Thomas is a good football player. Had another pass breakup, had that forced fumble, of course. I feel like he is continually continuing to get better. Uh, he lots got, unravel. He, 
he held his gap very well in short yardage stuff yesterday too. I mean, there were m multiple plays where he never made the tackle, but somebody else made the tackle short of the line to gain because of, of what he did in terms of clogging up the gap. His containment and his gap integrity, if you will, was really good yesterday. Rodney Garner's really done a nice job developing Omari Thomas. Well, one thing I forgot to mention in our post-game integrity, uh, and, and I remembered when we were doing The Nation tonight, and I want to get to it here. I do want to say that I have a lot of respect for Florida because they never, as much as Tennessee went tempo and it just killed Florida yesterday, they never had a player fake an injury. And in today's modern day of football, when you have people faking injuries left and right to kill the tempo and momentum of teams, Florida never did that yesterday. Tennessee did it once. Have, they could have. And, and so I, I got respect for that. Yeah. Yeah. Tennessee did it once to avoid a penalty. I will forever say that that is a good football play. I don't care who disagrees with me there to get out of the penalty. Well, it's, it's a legal, it's a legal mm -hmm. way of bending the rules. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I understand. I still got respect for Florida, the fact they didn't do it. Yeah. Uh, Lots to unravel 38-33. We'll continue to discuss it all week long. Uh, VolQuest podcast coming out Tuesday, 3-2-1, all that good stuff over at VolQuest.com as my cap and my pen flies. But recruiting, tons of recruiting. We got coverage on that at VolQuest.com. Two official visitors this weekend, Bison Lane, the offensive tackle, and, of course, David Hobbs, the five-star five defensive tackle, wrapped up their officials earlier today, Austin Price. Uh, what, what's the word from those guys and from campus? Well, Tennessee's in a great spot for Bison Lang. Um, you know, having seen Bison the last couple of days, he's a guard to me, you know. Um, but he's a good-looking kid, well put together, not sloppy. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, he, he's someone that can help your football program. Um, you know, Auburn, LSU starting to push a little bit there. I think if anybody's going to be more competition for Tennessee, it would be LSU. But it's, again, how much does LSU continue to push? Um, well, you know, we'll see, you know, he'll, he'll visit sometime probably down to, to Baton Rouge, uh, over the course of the next month. And, uh, his birthday is November 8th and that's when he likely will pull the trigger. And Tennessee right now is definitely the favorite there. Um, as for David Hobbs, um, and it is David. I mean, I've had a lot of <laughs> natural Devin, and I, I'm, so I asked him, I'm like, right, I've called you David. Am I mispronouncing? He goes, no, my name's David. And I'm like, okay, thank God. And so, <laughs> so David Hobbs, I think Tennessee has uh, positioned themselves well there. Um, long way to go, long way to go. But uh, I think that this weekend was big for Tennessee, uh, big for the family, big for him. And, you know, the, the newly minted five-star on three, kid had uh, has had a great start to his senior year. But, you know, he, he's always liked Tennessee. He liked Tennessee well before they ever offered him. They were slow to offer him. He held it against them for a little bit and has since gotten past that, gotten over that, because, hey, how can you hold it against Tennessee when they offered before Georgia and still have Georgia in your top list of schools, right? It makes no sense. Um, you can't do that. So well, I guess you could at your recruitment, but he's not going to. Um, so I think Tennessee is in the best spot it can be in, as we said here on September 25th. You know, he's, he's come back for the Alabama game, Hubber. Yep. And then he's going to visit Georgia officially the first weekend in November for the Tennessee game. So he's going to see Tennessee two more times in person before he announces sometime around his birthday, I believe it is, which is or his mom's birthday, somebody's birthday. It's, it's always somebody's birthday, uh, November 25th. And uh, 
you know, so I, I, I kind of, you know, again, I like where Tennessee's at right now. Uh, we'll, we'll have to fight through some things, but they got a chance to ride the wave, as I said, going in uh, with this recruitment. To this was a big weekend. How big is the factor with his sister? His sister's a really talented college or high school prospect who's going to be a college basketball player for those people who, who, who don't know. Part of the reason why Hobbs is a little bit of a late bloomer by in a lot of people's standards, he spent all summer playing AAU basketball for years and, and didn't put on the weight and kind of didn't develop. So some people were a little bit hesitant there at times with him. He ran really well, but was he physical enough because he was a basketball guy? His sister is a legitimate college basketball prospect. How big of a factor does that play into this recruitment? Because I know Coach Harper is recruiting his sister to Tennessee. Yeah, she's got offers from UConn, Tennessee, you name it. She's got it. Is it the end-all, be-all? No. But would mom, dad, and everybody else like to be able to go to a one-stop shop? Yeah. Why would you not? And so Tennessee offers the best mix of high-end women's basketball program, high-end football program, and so if you're looking at, you know, out of the three SEC schools, I'm going to go ahead and just say he's not going to eliminate North Carolina, I don't believe, but I'm going to eliminate North Carolina for him. I, I think this is going to play football in the SEC, and it's either going to be at Alabama or Tennessee or Georgia. And if you look at those three, the one that makes the most sense when you factor the sister in is Tennessee. Now, again, they're pretty adamant. It's a luxury. It's not a must. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in, in a perfect world, if things go well, Tennessee makes the most sense when it comes to pairing that together. But if he just feels like, you know, my best shots at Alabama or my best shots at Georgia, then, you know, then that's probably where he'll end up at. But, you know, I think Tennessee is in a really good spot coming off this weekend. All right, Austin, we want to go five... rapid. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that's yeah, I was say, we only go got ahead. we we got about five minutes left is what Brent was saying. I want to go rapid fire here real quick. Uh, ben wants to know about uh, Abu Carter, one of the best players in the state, 2024 athlete, defensive back, running back, wide receiver. Uh, he was here this last weekend. Ryan Wingo, who's now seen Tennessee play two times in the last three games. And uh, Caleb Beasley, obviously a guy that was here, and, and Tennessee's very high on his board, and he's high on Tennessee as well. Well, I just put on the general's quarters about 30 minutes ago. I think Tennessee is trending well or in really great spot with Edwin Spillman, Mario Craver, Caleb Beasley. All in that, that and, and Marcus Gorey out of that 2024 20, class. I think they have improved their positions with and are really starting to make a move with Boo Carter, Ryan Wingo, Sammy Brown. Now, they got a long way to go on those last three. But again, you got to at first become a contender before you are a contender. And they, they've, they've got to that stage where now I think they've become a contender with all of those players. Weekends like this weekend, the fact that they've, you know, Wingo seen them play two of the last three weeks, all those things put Tennessee in a good spot for those guys. But I think this first group of guys, I think Tennessee is the odds on favorite to land. And then those next three, they are in position uh, to be a real major contender in all of those recruitments. Uh, Austin, a lot of people, I... go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. We're, we're talking all over. He texted me. I told him to go ahead, and then I decided I was going to ask a question. So, um, uh, Austin, for me, does the does the does the lure of Tennessee wear off because after the atmosphere yesterday, or do you think that has a lasting impact, particularly on those 24s and moving forward, or is that just kind of yesterday's a splash in the pan and it doesn't really carry any kind of long term effect for those guys? No, I think it carries. 
Um, is it going to wear off a little? Sure. I mean, it's not going to be like, like this, you know, you're, you're, you know, it was so magical at points yesterday for a lot of those kids. Um, and, and they all talked about it, just looking around the stadium thinking, man, this is just unbelievable, you know, and, and called it surreal and, and electric and all these different adjectives. Um, so I don't, I think it wears off a little, but I still think it lasts. Um, you know, and ultimately, I think Tennessee's ability to, you know, say, hey, we need DBs, come play here. Hey, we, you know, look at how we scheme this, you know, these guys and get them open for a wide receiver like Ryan Wingo. I think all that plays. So much coverage over at VolQuest.com. Plenty of recruiting coverage. There were about 50 guys in town over the weekend, two official visits. We're going to have updates, stories, all that type of stuff all throughout this week. So maybe Tennessee's not playing on the gridiron this Saturday. We got plenty of coverage. Plus, Everything else over VolQuest.com. The deal is still here. $1 for one year. It's not going to last forever. Tennessee just beat Florida. Don't miss any of the reaction. Pay $1, get coverage. Inviting all Tennessee fans for one year, $1 over at VolQuest.com. As we continue on here with the On3 family. And as always, follow, subscribe to the show, and support us on YouTube. Hit the like button. Help this thing get 500 likes. $1 for one year, VolQuest, and uh, you're not going to find a better deal out there. So plenty of stuff to get into this week. This has been a fun show. Big thanks to Ramon Foster and Austin Price for jumping on, and Brent Hubbs, of course, the Rocky Top Rewind. And big thank you to you for tuning in to the Rocky Top Rewind. Uh, stay tuned to VolQuest.com all throughout the week as we move on to LSU in two weeks.